MashaAllah. You can make space for everyone. Quran says when you're told to make space for someone, make space for them, Allah will make space for you in his Jannah. We're just going to hang on for a couple of seconds till everyone's in the circle, inshallah. So look around you, look behind you, and make sure no one's not in the circle. MashaAllah, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. May Allah accept everybody. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all for making the effort to come and be here. And Allah is watching. Allah knows that you're trying to do what's within your capacity. And this is a time where if we don't get together now, when will we get together? And every action we take, it has, whether we see it or not, it definitely has a positive impact. We might not see, you might think, what's, what's going to happen by me coming here? But believe me, every action, every good action has a positive reaction. And every bad action, every sin has a negative reaction, whether we see it or not. And as Muslims, Alhamdulillah, we believe that. So first of all, Jazakallah khairan for making the effort to turn up and to be part of today's Great Fajr campaign. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everyone's salah. May Allah accept everyone's ameen in the dua. Um, just to give a bit of um, understanding of what we do and why we do this. Um, so that you understand um, holistically why you're here and why inshallah we want you to be here not just today but every Sunday of the year. So this get-together has been happening for over two years, alhamdulillah, every single Sunday. We started in May, Jazakallah khairan. We started in May 2021. And alhamdulillah, since then, this gathering has taken place every single Sunday. Um, so it's not just because of what's happened recently. The condition in Palestine and Masjid al-Aqsa has been the same since 1948 and then specifically in Jerusalem area from 1967. The bottom line is Masjid al-Aqsa has been occupied since 1967. You know, a lot of people, they say that, oh no, they're gonna take over Masjid al-Aqsa. When is that going to happen? Well, that already happened. That happened in 1967. So what Muslims are doing now in terms of getting together and having concern, that is something we were supposed to be doing every day since 1967 until Masjid al-Aqsa and Palestine is liberated and it's free. Uh, but it's sad that it takes the killing and the massacre of thousands of innocent lives for Muslims to become mobilized and come together. But Alhamdulillah, we're not complaining because even this is a great thing. And we pray, we pray, we pray that this is not a temporary thing where we show concern whilst the TV is showing us to show concern. And once that goes, we go as well. So my plea to everybody here today is, like you've turned up today, make an intention, inshallah, to come every week. Is everyone making that intention, inshallah? Uh, because this gathering is one that happens every week. So what happened in May 2021 is 
similar, there were attacks on the people in Masjid Al-Aqsa, there were attacks on people in Sheikh Jarrah area, and a lot of things were happening. And then from Gaza, there was attacks as well. People attacked, the Israeli occupation attacked the people of Gaza, like they're doing now, may Allah have mercy on the condition. And then there were suggestions that went round that you might have come across this as well, that we should have a global tahajjud, that everybody should get together uh, in their communities and globally, everybody should work towards praying one tahajjud salah together and making dua. So we also came across this and we discussed this amongst us as well. However, what we decided is, first of all, there's no such thing as a global tahajjud because everyone's time zones are different, number one. Number two, it's not really something that's done where we get people together in Ramadan, yes. But overall, out of Ramadan, it's not something we do where we gather for tahajjud salah. Everybody does it individually. And number three, we have to do something, not just as a reactionary thing, but something that's going to be beneficial to the cause. So that's when we looked at the people of Masjid Al-Aqsa and saw how do they go about this. And we found that they do something called the Great Fajr campaign. And this happens on a Friday on a Jummah where they are encouraging people because it's their day off, Friday is their day off. They're encouraging families, men, women, children to attend in large numbers and to get together for the cause and concern of Masjid Al-Aqsa. So we've taken that directly from there because couple of things. First of all, Salah. When we come on to performing our Salah regularly, punctually, we will see the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot expect the help of Allah to come, but then we don't want to play our part. We don't want to play our part. So Salah is like the bottom line. That is a must that we need in our lives. So if this can help us becoming punctual on our Salah, even if it's slowly, Alhamdulillah, we're going towards the right direction. We're going towards the right direction. Secondly, in the Fajr, we have Qunud. And this is something which is the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, where a bit of background on that. The Prophet ﷺ, he sent a group of 70 scholars to a new Muslim community to teach them Islam. These were high profile, very learned scholars. And when they went there, this new Muslim community, what they did, they killed all of the scholars. And they left Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ was extremely hurt. And he was very saddened. And he cried for days on end on his loss. And following this for a whole month, every single day in the Fajr Salah, the Prophet ﷺ, he recited the Qunut and Nazira. And the purpose of the Qunut is not to do lots of du'as. The purpose of the Qunut is something opposite to that actually. The purpose of the Qunut, the Prophet ﷺ wasn't one who normally cursed. But the purpose of the Qunut was to curse the people who inflicted such harm on the Muslims. He wasn't his normal habit. But on occasion like this, when he was hurt, he showed the reflection of his human emotions. That when you are hurt, like we are hurting now for our brothers and sisters in Palestine, in Gaza, may Allah have mercy on the condition. This is what we do and we express it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we pray against the people and he took the names. He took the names of the people that were involved in this massacre and he prayed for Allah's curse to be upon such people because he was so hurt and he left the matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for a whole month. Imagine that one whole month every single day he continued. Now I ask you that was 70 people. 
how many thousands are being killed, not just now, but throughout the year in the Muslim world. So Qunut is something we should hold fast onto because it gives us spiritual nourishment. It brings us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And following the, uh, the Qunut, we get together like this and we talk about one small lesson on personal self-development. Why do we do this? Is because Allah will not change the situation of a people until we don't change ourselves. We can't change the government. We can't change the world. We can't change the community. But I can change myself. And if each one of us start on this journey of trying to change ourselves, inshallah, collectively, this will make a huge difference. We might not see it now, but it definitely has an impact. And then following this, we have one lesson on Masjidul Aqsa. And the reason why we do this is because we're in this situation, we're in this situation now because we are ignorant of Masjidul Aqsa. If the Muslim world had regard for Masjidul Aqsa, you tell me, would we be in the situation we're in now? One of the main reasons is we are distant from Masjidul Aqsa. When I asked yesterday, a scholar called me, a scholar called me yesterday, and he said, I was teaching a class of adults and they're doing advanced level of tafsir of Quran and there's a whole class of people and he said the ayat of the Quran which we're doing tafsir of was speaking about the change of the Qibla that the Qibla used to be Masjid Al-Aqsa and then it got changed to the Kaaba so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in the Quran that Muslims should now face towards Masjid Al-Haram in their salah no longer towards Masjid Al-Aqsa so when this discussion came up in the tafsir, uh, the scholar says, I decided to ask the class, um, define Masjid Al-Aqsa. What is Masjid Al-Aqsa? He says that I asked every single person individually and all besides one person did not know the correct definition of what Masjid Al-Aqsa is. That's serious. That's serious. Everything was happening now. What's happening now? If you speak to the people in Gaza, they will say that this has happened. Why? Because we stood up to protect Masjid Al-Aqsa. They're telling you that we are doing this for the cause of Masjid Al-Aqsa. But if we ask ourselves, what is Masjid Al-Aqsa? And we don't know, then how are we going to fight the cause of Masjid Al-Aqsa? So this is the first point that we must understand that the root and the, the foundation of whatever is happening, why it's happening, it's because of the violation that took place in Masjid Al-Aqsa and the violation that takes place around Jerusalem and the people of Masjid Al-Aqsa. If you speak to the people of Gaza, this is what they're saying. That yes, they can take our buildings, they can take our lives, they can take our livelihoods, but we're not going to let them take Masjid Al-Aqsa. Why are they doing this in Masjid Al-Aqsa? This is what they are saying. Despite having no electricity, having no gas, no fuel, no water, no food, no family remaining, no infrastructure, absolutely nothing. But one thing they are saying, that we can live without all of these things. Allah will give us more. They've lived through this many times. Allah will give us more, but we cannot live without Masjid Al-Aqsa and we will do everything to ensure that Masjid Al-Aqsa remains in our control. This land remains ours because it's the land of Baytul Maqdis. Palestine belongs only to the Muslims. 
and we've already been through this before. So this, at the center of this whole issue is what? Everybody, what is it? Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, we cannot lose sight of this. Many of the discourses happening right now, they don't include Masjid Al-Aqsa. What will happen then is it will just remain to the level of activism where we will go, we will shout, we will scream, sign a petition, and then that'll be the end of it. Because we'll see, oh, there's no more bombs now. And there's no more attacks now, that's stopped. It is gonna stop eventually. How long is it gonna carry on for? There will be a time where it will, it will stop, we know that. But does that mean we stop and the bombs stop? And we only stop when the bombing starts? No, the cases of Masjid Al-Aqsa and then the whole of Palestine, which is occupied. So, until Masjid Al-Aqsa isn't liberated, Palestine isn't free. Until then, we continue our efforts. And this is why in the Great Federal Campaign, the idea is a consistent effort because we're weak as individuals. We've got our own commitments. We've got our own lives. So we can't be going and doing a demonstration every day. Um, and if that was effective, then yes, Alhamdulillah, we would do it every day, but it's done to a, to a degree, to a limit. And mashallah, 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 what we're we saying throughout the world, have you seen the crowds of people that are coming out onto the streets? Right in from places like Baghdad in Yemen, and then you've got in Malaysia, and then you've got in the European countries, you've got in America and Australia. And of course, you saw what happened in London last night as well. The massive crowds of people, Muslim and non Muslim, men, women, and children, all for one cause. If there's anything that unites the Ummah, at the moment we know that we are disunited, but if there's anything that unites us on one platform, on one cause. That is the cause of Masjid Al-Aqsa in Palestine. Have you noticed? Right? There's nothing else in the world that unites the Muslims the way Palestine and Masjid Al-Aqsa unites us. And the core of what's happened is because the Ummah is divided. Now you might think oh, none of the Muslim countries are really doing anything. Why? Because they've managed to achieve this, to divide us. So another idea of the Great Fajr campaign is it brings us together that we will do some a'mal, we will have a lesson, and then we'll have breakfast together, inshallah. An opportunity for us to socialize, to come together, to see, even though I might have a difference with this brother. But on this particular issue, we're going to show that we are one. And once we can start doing that, and slowly, slowly start working, putting our differences aside. Yes, we have differences, but they are small in the grand scheme of things, because right now, right now, if we look on the flip side, look on the Western side, what's happened? Can we see any difference in the Western world? They do hate each other. They hate each other a lot. They've got many divisions and many differences. And they're at each other's backs all the time, whether it be from a religious perspective or a political perspective. And we're seeing the attacks and the wars that happen amongst them. However, when it comes to this cause, what's happened? Can you see how united they are? Okay, because the hadith tells us Al-Kufru Millatun Wahida. Al-Kufru Millatun Wahida. Kufr is all one nation. When it comes to it, Kufr becomes one nation. They come to, together. So we need to ensure that we become one nation when it comes to the causes of Islam. We have our differences. So let's start working to And these are things that on an individual capacity, I can do. You can't go, we can talk about changing the world. Is that going to happen? We, we can't do that. What can you do? 
the reason I'm saying this is when we're hearing all of this news, we're hearing the devastation. And then on the other side, if I'm not doing anything about it, either we're going to shut down, we're going to become paralyzed, and we're going to become deeply despondent. And it's going to create a lot of sadness inside us, and we're going to lose our mind, we're going to go crazy. Because on one side, we can see so much happening, and then on the flip side, I'm not really doing anything about it. So these are changes that we can start making immediately on a daily basis, trying to just unite with people. It's very powerful. With very powerful. The Prophet said, Allah's help is with the group of people and people are together. And Salah unites us. These kind of activities, we come together, it unites us. It brings us together. And we need to do more of them. As we're going towards the end of times, we need more of these things because individually, we become very weak. There are so many distractions, so many fitan, that if I was sitting at home, I'd just get distracted and swayed away. Or just could probably go on social media and thinking, I'm conquering the world by checking the news. Like as if me checking the news the whole day, it's going to change the situation in Palestine. And then I'll go to sleep thinking, I've done something today for the sake of Palestine, for the sake of the Muslims. But in reality, in reality, have we done anything? No. So. These are small changes that we can make, insha'Allah, and work towards this goal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. So over the last so many weeks, we've been speaking about um, negative thinking patterns. Negative thinking patterns, as human beings, we, speak, we have certain negative thinking patterns. And when we start thinking in this way, it has an impact on how we feel. When we feel a certain way, it has an impact on our actions. So how you think, you end up feeling. How you feel, you end up behaving like that. So can you see a pattern there? So we try and change the behavior. But does that ever work? How many Ramadans have come and gone and we try and give up a bad habit? And Ramadan finishes and we're not able to give up whatever we were trying to do. That's because it's like watering the fruit on the tree. If there's a tree and you water the apples, is anything going to happen? If you water the branches, is anything going to happen? What do we need to water? The roots. So similarly, as human beings, the way we function generally is we have certain thoughts. We have certain beliefs. We have certain ideas in our head. When, 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 we, when we believe in something, when we think of something in a certain way, when we have a certain perspective, that drives how we feel about it. And our feelings drive our actions. So literally, human beings do what they feel like doing. And when we don't feel like, a lot of times, well, I, didn't, I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. If someone doesn't feel like doing something, they won't do it. Where do our feelings come from? Mainly and generally, not all of the time, but generally, our feelings come from the way we think. So, when a Muslim falls into a negative thinking pattern, that will have an impact on the way you feel. When it has an impact on the way you feel, then our actions will be negative as well. And we will face consequences. It will impact not just our day-to-day -day life, even our connection with Allah will be impaired. So, we were speaking about um, a negative thinking pattern called jumping to conclusions. And this is something we tend to do, all of us do it, don't we? And we said jumping to conclusions 
normally happens when we are angry. And we all get angry, don't we? We all get angry from time to time. Some of us get more angry than others, but we all have an issue of getting angry. Now, getting angry is a natural human response. The issue isn't about getting angry. It's about what you do when you get angry. How do you, how we manage our anger? Are we able to manage and control it? Are we are able to experience the anger and choose what we do? Is our anger driving us or we're managing and driving our anger? This is the difference here. Imagine how it would be to be in the driver's seat where you do become angry and you know you're getting angry, but then you're choosing your response as opposed to your anger driving you and then later on saying, I didn't know what I was doing. That wasn't me. How often do we say, that wasn't me. I, I actually didn't know what, what was going on. And if we go through life like this, we're going to encounter many problems and issues. How many times have we said things or done things in anger and it's, it's cost us a relationship, it's cost us a job, it's cost us a friendship, it's cost us a loss in a lot of money, it's cost us uh, impact on our health, it's cost us a massive impact in our spirituality and relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine being in, in that driver's seat in control where when it comes, we know exactly what we are doing and we're able to manage it. And that doesn't mean we won't get angry. The anger will come, but we will choose how to respond. And that's where we get emotional awareness. May Allah give us this. So we said that when we get angry, we start jumping to conclusions about other people or situations. And then we do one of two things. What are they? Who can remind us? So first of all, first of all, we start doing something called mind reading. Mind reading. So I'm angry with brother Amin, for example. He's triggered me. And then I start saying, oh, well, this is why you always say this to me. Whereas he's not even told me that. I've not asked him. I'm mind reading now. And this is what we end up doing. And you know what? It's just going to turn up into a disaster. It's never going to work. You probably won't ever talk to me ever again anyway. Now what I'm doing is fortune telling. And mind reading fortune telling. We don't know any of these things. We don't know what's in someone's mind. We don't know how the situation is going to turn out. But when we are angry and we're not controlling our anger, we end up falling into these jumping to conclusions. When we start doing it with people, then we start doing the same thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Oh, Allah doesn't like me. Or oh, he just wants me to suffer. Or oh, the only reason Allah did this to me is because of this. What we're doing now? Mind reading. Trying to read, read whose mind? Allah's. Of course, Allah doesn't have a mind like human beings, but you know what I mean. Re do we really know what Allah wants? No. But when we're angry and we're not able to understand our anger, and control it, this is what it leads to. And then we say, oh, Allah's never going to do this for me. Things are never going to work out for me. What we're doing now, fortune telling. We're trying to tell what Allah plans to do, whether, whereas we don't know. And why is all this happening? It's because of built up anger inside. So when we become self-aware, the greatest achievement of this is you can be in more control. Like who doesn't want to be in more control? Okay, we don't want to just be an emotional wreck where we're just going around life, just being driven by our emotions and feelings and then always being guilty afterwards having to apologize and regret. So, 
Today, inshallah, last week we spoke about how we can start making a change. And last week we started speaking about making a physical shift. Because the Prophet ﷺ teaches us how to make a physical shift. And one of those were, um, who can remind us? What did he say? And when you feel angry, what did the Prophet ﷺ tell us? Okay, one of them is to drink water. Have you felt when you become angry, you start getting hot and heated? Yeah, can you feel the heat? Where does it come from? From the anger, where does the heat come from though? It's from shaitan. And shaitan is made of fire and the fire comes from Jahannam. So you feel the heat. You feel the heat, you start getting heated up. So the Prophet ﷺ has told us to make a physical shift. And this will help us to calm it down. And what did he say? Drink water. So, Jazakallah khairan. Anything else? Okay, so one advice is, the Prophet ﷺ says, if you're angry and you're standing up, what should you do? Make a physical shift. So if you're standing up, sit down. If you're sitting down and you're getting angry, what should you do? Lie down. What do we do? When we're lying down, we get angry, what do we do? We sit up. If we're sitting up, what do we do? We end up standing up. And if you're already standing up, then what do we do? Okay, we jump up and down and we go crazy and we're raising our hands and everything around us. Um, so as you can see, the Prophet ﷺ wants us to ground ourselves, go closer to the ground, because that brings you closer to humility as well. So that's a physical shift. We spoke about something else last week. Who can remind us? Okay, make, making wudu is coupled with drinking water. So having water or making wudu, that has that impact on cooling you down. We spoke about standing, sitting, lying down. What else? Yes. Creating a pause between the trigger that makes you angry and your response. Creating a pause. And there's research being done about 90 seconds. This is some research that's been carried out for 90 seconds. Let's just call it two minutes. That if you can keep a gap of at least two minutes from the time you get angry to the time you respond, that will allow you a window to be in more control. And you'll think about what you're doing. You'll feel your anger, understand where it's come from and choose how to respond. And that's the purpose of the Prophet ﷺ instructing us to change, make a physical shift so that you're not just responding in that condition. We've been told, haven't we, that when you're in the state of anger, we shouldn't make a decision. A qadi shouldn't make a judgment. Parents shouldn't, uh, or teachers or parents should not uh, discipline their children when they're extremely angry because it will be out of proportion. Let the anger subside, even if it's two minutes of and if you can widen the gap and work on that on an individual level you'll see massive benefit of this we all get angry all of us get angry but if we can learn how to manage and control our anger we will see a massive impact in our lives and in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so today what we're going to speak about is making a making a mental shift a psychological shift as opposed to just the physical shift once you've made the physical shift so the physical shift is either going to be 
go to a lower place, you're standing, sit down, sit, sitting down, lie down. If you can have some water, make wudu, or leave the room. Leave the room. That's another advice given from the sunnah as well. Like the thing or the person that's making you angry, either they leave or you leave. Because the longer you see the person or the thing, it's going to get you more and more riled up. So changing your energy. So these are physical shifts. Once we've learned how to make the physical shift, it will reduce the intensity of the anger. We won't be as angry. We'll still be angry, but we won't be going crazy. So this has now allowed us to calm a little bit. Now, we need to have a psychological shift. The way we think about this situation. The way we do that is we understand and realize that anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. What does that mean? There's something hidden beneath the surface of what's making you angry. You're not just angry for the sake of it. You're angry because you're feeling something else. And it's about figuring out in that moment what that thing is. Otherwise, we'll be clueless and we just think, I'm just angry. No, you're not just angry. There's something that's making you angry. And the example that we give is like an iceberg. When you have an iceberg, you only see the top of it. But underneath, there's a lot more going on. Right? The iceberg isn't what you see. The top, that's the anger. But underneath, there's loads of things. Or it could be some huge thing that's causing you to become angry at that time. When we calm down a little bit, we'll be able to work out and figure out what that thing is and address that as opposed to trying to address the anger. So, what could it be? It could be a number of things. Um, I'm going to list a few things. It could be a whole list of things. But you know, if we just react all the time, we're never going to know what it is. Once we create that gap and sit for a moment, we'll be able to realize, oh, it's this. So, um, are you scared of something? Sometimes it happens, you're scared. You don't know how things are going to turn out. And um, do you feel attacked? Are you feeling disrespected? You're feeling some level of shame? Is it guilt? Feeling uncomfortable? Regret? Disappointed? Trapped? Frustrated? Rejected? Suffocated? Anxious? Lonely? Sometimes it's that. Exhausted? Just, just exhausted. You've come back from work, you've had a long day, that's okay. But if we just, if we don't give ourselves that time, we won't be able to pinpoint what it is. We'll just think, I'm just getting angry. You're making me angry. No, no one's making you angry. You're just tired, exhausted. And you can think, oh, okay, this is why I'm playing up. Okay, I just need, then you can focus on what you actually need. Then you can focus on, oh, we're gonna come to that. Once we don't know what it is, we don't know what we need then. So, Sometimes nervous, insecure, unsure, overwhelmed, isolated, disgusted, stressed, helpless, powerless, worried, envious, offended, or just hurt. It could be any of these things. But if we don't create that gap, we're never going to know. Only you know, nobody else can tell you. Only you know, because you're going through it. But we have to give ourselves that time. And this is why first comes the physical shift. Once the physical shift is done, then we'll be able to uh, identify what it is. So, what are the steps? We're going to go through a few steps for this process. The first thing is to identify what is the underlying cause of me getting angry. 
And like I just said, imagine the iceberg. So the iceberg is, the top part is the anger, which everybody else can see. But nobody can see the bottom part, only I can see that. But even me, I won't see it unless I am calm. If I'm going crazy, even I'm not going to know that. So when we create that gap, the idea is that we, uh, we sit back, we lie down, we take a break, have a glass of water, and that will give me time to really think of what is actually going on? Why am I angry? What's making me angry? And we'll be able to identify what it is. Is it I'm nervous? Is it I feel left out? Is it because someone's making me feel guilty for something? Um, is it because I'm lonely? Is it because I'm just burnt out, exhausted? What is it? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, what's very effective, it's a technique called name it to tame it. Name it to tame it. If you can't name it, you can't tame it. So say it to yourself, saying it to yourself. For example, I'm feeling really hurt, or I'm feeling really ashamed, or I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling exhausted. By naming it, by naming it and putting a label to it, what will happen is we'll be able to tame it, manage it, control it, and do something about it. The Prophet ﷺ, in this regard, the Prophet ﷺ is our example. He was very, very emotionally aware. Do you know when one of his sons passed away? When the Prophet ﷺ, one of his sons passed away and he was holding him, and the Prophet ﷺ was crying. And some person said to him, next to him, and he said, Oh, Prophet of Allah, what's this? Like men don't cry. Men aren't supposed to cry in our society. How come? What's this? And the Prophet ﷺ was so emotionally aware of his particular situation. Immediately, the Prophet ﷺ, he could name what was happening. He pointed to the tear and he said, Innaha rahma. This is compassion. This is compassion. Innaha rahma. He said, this is compassion. When you can point it and you can name it, you can deal with it. And the Prophet ﷺ, look how he dealt with it. He said, this is compassion. And then he said, he said, the eye cries, the heart feels pain, and we are grieved by your separation, Ibrahim. But I will not say anything that displeases Allah. And this is regulation. And we're not regulated. We end up saying things to people and even about Allah in states of anger when we are hurt because we're not aware of what's going on. So the Prophet ﷺ teaches us over here to be aware. And we can do this when we compose ourselves a little bit, give, that, give yourself that little bit of time. So once we know what it is, once we know what it is, for example, I'm getting angry. Every evening I get home and I'm just getting angry at things. Right, and we just think, oh, it's because of you, or it's because of her, or it's because of the kids, or it's because of all the mess, or it's because this is not done. But when we sit down, we realize that it's because just exhausted. That's all it is, just exhausted. Now, when you realize that, and you can tell yourself that, I'm exhausted, I'm just burnt out, I'm just tired, but a long day. Now you can focus on what you need, and you can communicate that to other people as well. Um, what's the underlying need? What do you need now to make you feel better? Well, I need five minutes time out. 
I just need to rest for five minutes. That's all I'm asking for. You can communicate that to the people around you. Can I just have five minutes? That's all I want. I need five minutes just to unwind. Or I just need to be alone for a few minutes. Or I just need, um, you know, I need a hug, for example. Or all I need is, I need to talk to someone who, who's close to me. You, you make a phone call to somebody. And if that's somebody you speak to, it just makes you feel better. Or whatever it is, you know what works for you. So we've identified what we need and then we address the need. We go about getting that thing done. And inshallah, we will see a massive difference. Next week, inshallah, we'll continue from here speaking about how to, um, how to move from here and what other things we can do, inshallah, to manage our anger. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. So for those of you who are here for the first time, um, we've been having this circle for the more than two years. And specifically, I think about 16 or 17 weeks ago, we started a new series called What Do You Know About Masjid Al-Aqsa? And this is going in a series. It's, it's consecutive. It's, it, we, the lessons follow week by week, the bite-sized lessons. So if you've missed out, you could go on our YouTube, inshallah, and follow up with the missed lessons. And inshallah, it will get you up to date. Uh, if you can follow these lessons, the play, the, it's in the playlist. You can go and follow from lesson one, lesson two, lesson three. I think we're on eight, lesson 18 today. And we started off with definitions. You learn what Masjid Al-Aqsa is, what the significance of Jerusalem is, why it's so important to us. And you can build your knowledge base from there. We literally started from scratch, from ABC. So anyone, anyone can understand this issue. And at the moment, we are speaking about the, the discussion we're having now is on history. And we started from Adam alayhi salam's time. And then we spoke about the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And then we moved on to the time of uh, Yaqub and Yusuf alayhi salam. And then we went to the time of... Um, Suleiman alayhi salam, Dawood alayhi salam, uh, was that last week? And uh, in between, before that, Musa alayhi salam's time as well. So this is where we are. So we're going to continue from there, inshallah. So if you, if you hear it and you think, okay, this is a bit like, we, we've missed the previous ones, you can catch up, inshallah. Everything is there and it goes in order. Short lessons, they're about 10, 12 minutes long. They're not extremely long. It's 10, 12 minutes and you can catch up like that, inshallah. Um, so that you're up to date. So what do you know about Masjid Al-Aqsa lesson 18? Today's discussion is going to be in regards to the occupation by the Babylonians, who are people from Iraq, the Persians, and also the Greeks. And we're speaking before the time of Prophet Isa alayhi salam, BC. And we are discussing the history at the moment. So the kingdom of Judah, outlasted the northern kingdom of Israel for many years. Last week we spoke about how after Suleiman passed away, they divided the land of Palestine into two different kingdoms. And there was division that came amongst them. The kingdom of Judah and then called the other kingdom Israel. And this was done after the time of Suleiman Now the kingdom of Judah outlasted what they called the area of Israel for many years. And the reason for this endurance was because of its proximity to Jerusalem. 
because of the religious and the devout nature of the closeness to a sacred region. However, as de decades pass by and subsequent generations <coughs> strayed from the divine commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Bani Israel, who were the ruling class of people in Jerusalem at the time, they required a significant awakening. Somebody needed to wake them up before the system of Allah's divine replacement took place. Allah has a system called divine replacement. Sunnatul istibdal. Allah speaks about it in the Quran. وَإِن Basically, it means if you don't do the work, Allah is going to wipe you out and He's going to bring someone else to do it. So you've got a choice. Work for the cause of Palestine. If you're not going to do it, Allah is going to wipe you out and somebody else will do it. And this is what happened with the Bani Israel. And this is what happened with people before them. And the Quran speaks about this. And the Quran addressed them and said, وَإِن تَتَوَلَّوْا يَسْتَبْدِلْ قَوْمًا غَيْرَكُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَكُونُوا أَمْثَالَكُمْ Yes, we know the Bani Israel were promised the land of Palestine. Quran speaks about it. But Quran also said that you need to remain firm. You can't stray from the teachings of Allah. And because they strayed from the teachings of Allah, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already told us. And He said that He revealed this in the Psalms, in the Zabur of Dawud alayhi salam, that this land, meaning the land of Palestine, is going to be inherited by the righteous people, those who stay on Allah's path. Because you turn from the path of Allah, now this has been taken away from you and given to the Bani Ismail, the people of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So what happened? Because they strayed from Allah's teachings, Allah's divine replacement took place, where Allah took it away from them and other people came. And that's when occupation takes place. So the Babylonians uh, arrived, the king Nebuchadnezzar, was a notorious king of Babylon from Iraq. He invaded the kingdom of Judah and subsequently entered into Jerusalem as well. This is 586 BC, 586 BC. He demolished the whole of Jerusalem. He set fire to the area of Masjid Al-Aqsa and following the customs of the rulers of that time, he took the uh, Bani Israel as captives to Babylon in Iraq. And we know in regards to, and we hear about the, 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 the captivity of the Israelites in Iraq, in Babylon by the king Nebuchadnezzar. And nowadays you will find extensive Jewish literature uh, from that period. Because in the Torah as well, a lot of what you find was written in Babylon. Because what happened is when they were taken to Babylon, they took all of the Torah that they had as well, and it got destroyed. So because they were living there, a lot of it was rewritten by the rabbis over there in Iraq. So a lot of Jewish literature comes from that period of time, which was written there after they lost it all. Uh, when it lost to when Babylon, uh, the Babylonians came and Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar, so you've got two parties. You've got the Canaanite Arabs who are in Jerusalem still, and you had the Bani Israel who became the leading party. Um, the Canaanite Arabs, they remained under the influence of the Babylonian rule now in Jerusalem. And because of which they went, they left 
their monotheistic Tawhidic religion and they started going towards paganism re-entered the beliefs of the Canaanite Arabs that were living in and around Jerusalem. In 539 BC, another superpower comes and that's the Persian Empire and they overrun the Babylonian rule. So now you've got the Persians who have come and taken over. They dismantle the Babylonian Empire and asserted their dominance over the region. We hear about a emperor named Cyrus. You must have heard about him recently when Donald Trump tried to do the, he declared Jerusalem as the eternal capital. And at that time they started minting coins uh, because this is what Cyrus did many, many years ago. He bought back the Jews and the Israelites from Babylon and Iraq and give them positions in Jerusalem once again. And they were trying to show that, look, you've done the same thing what Cyrus, the emperor Cyrus did um, back then. So what he did was he allowed the Banu Israel to return from captivity and come back to Jerusalem and become the people who ruled them. So recognizing them, he gave them political authority. He gave them religious authority. And when they returned to Jerusalem, they were in much smaller number in comparison to the number of people that were exiled. Now, biblical sources mention that there were some people there locally that were adherent to the teachings of Allah. They frequented Masjid Al-Aqsa uh, during that time. Um, but you can understand that the Bani Israel at the time were a little bit like agents of the occupiers uh, because of the Persian rule that was there. In conclusion, following the Persian rule, then came the Greeks. Alexander the Great and other people came. This is 330 years before Isa alayhi salam. And for about 250 years, Jerusalem saw Greek influence. And that was the ruling party. Um, there was a lot of internal conflict and unsuccessful uprisings led by the Bani Israel. Um, some of them you might hear about Judas, a person called Judas Maccabee, who was a Jewish person. His father was a ruling person before that, and he fought against the Greek people and tried to overturn. And he was quite successful actually in what he managed to do for the Bani Israel at that time. So in conclusion, we've come to this part of history of Jerusalem that Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he arrives and he invaded Jerusalem and took the uh, Bani Israel into captivity in thousands. They were taken to Babylon, kept as captives. And then the Persians came later on and King Cyrus, he allowed the Bani Israel to come back to Jerusalem. And eventually we said that following that, uh, the Greeks came and they took over Jerusalem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. Now, inshallah, we're going to give a few minutes. So we're coming towards the end of our session. We're going to give a few minutes for Quranic recitation. A lot of us don't get a chance to read Quran throughout the week. So even if you could just read Surah Yasin, for example, it will be very effective. Try and stay where you are. The Quran will come to you. Read loud in an audible voice. Inshallah, we can create an environment to attract Allah's mercy because this is what we need. Um, then inshallah, we'll conclude with dhikr and dua. After Ishraq, breakfast is served for everybody. So please, everybody do stay behind. Uh, for brothers, it's just upstairs. Sisters, um, it's just where you are, towards the back. Jazakumullah khairan. Just to give you a quick update, in the last eight days, currently, 
2,500 people have been made shaheed. 2,500 people have been made shaheed in Gaza generally and around Gaza. That's a heavy and a large number. And more than 10,000 people are seriously wounded, are ill, are being treated. As you know, Gaza has never seen the devastation it's seeing now. Yes, there have been invasions before, there have been wars before, but not like this. Not where they've cut off total water, total electricity. Imagine they're in darkness in the day, darkness in the night, and everything's been annihilated, totally destroyed, and there's nowhere for them to go. They're already living in such a difficult condition. And the hospitals have been bombed, medical facilities have been bombed. Yesterday, the northern Gazans were told to go towards the south. As they are traveling in their thousands, on the way they are bombed. How many videos we saw that people peacefully, they said, okay, you're telling us to, there's nowhere really to go because we don't have any land and any space anyway. So from the, from the, they sent warplanes and dropped leaflets, giving them a map and telling them, from here, we want you to move here. And some of them thought, okay, let's do what they're telling us to do. And despite that, whilst they all got together, what can they carry? Imagine you were told, imagine being in that condition. Would we survive even for one day? No electricity, no water, no gas, no house, no family because everyone's been killed already, living in perpetual fear, not knowing when the next bomb is going to drop and just totally wipe everything out. And having been through this already so many times, and by the way, the people of Gaza don't, are not from Gaza, are they originally? They've already been displaced. They were living in other areas of Palestine. So they're saying, what, you want us to leave again, become refugees, we're already refugees in our country. And you want us to have this safe corridor, so-called, and make this transfer, what you're trying to get rid of us even further. Without a doubt, this is a genocide. This is ethnic cleansing. This is an international war crime. And those people, for example, the United Kingdom, our prime minister, are all complicit in these war crimes. They are standing with the real terrorists. They are supporting them. We can see the whole world, the true face. On one side, it's so hurtful to see it's devastating. And the price that the Palestinians are having to pay on this occasion is very, very high. On the other side, though, it's exposing the reality of this brutal, illegal occupation. The world, it gives a chance for the world to see to blacken their faces and to disgrace them in front of the world. What's happening? That the world, if there's any humanity left, if there is any humanity left in the world, the world, and we are seeing there are some voices. I'm not talking about amongst the Muslims. Of course, we feel it anyway. But even amongst the non-Muslims, yesterday on the BBC, they showed a lady protesting in London and she was Jewish. She was Jewish and she was speaking out against the war crimes that are being taking place in Gaza, not just today, every day. And she was very clear. She said, I'm Jewish, but I'm not going to just because I'm Jewish be biased. This is an international war crime. People, their rights, basic human rights are being violated. But you're seeing the rhetoric. You're seeing the rhetoric. Muslim lives are cheap. Muslims are not even looked at as Muslims. They're treating them as if they are some kind of, even, we don't even treat animals like this. We don't even treat animals like this. So the narrative is very one-sided. Whatever is in within your capacity, especially those of you on social media, to put the right narrative either out there, to channel the right kind of news. And even yourself, 
don't follow the Western media. It's going to brainwash you. You're going to start believing and saying things which is not true. And even they are saying, we're seeing contradictory claims coming out. That, oh, this is what's happened. When you say a lie so many times, what happens? And that's what's happened. In order for them to justify the genocide of millions of people, they have to demonize them. And they have to make people feel that they're not worthy of living. And if, of course, if you're going to circulate news that they were beheading babies and all these kind of things, it's to try and make people lose their sympathy for the Palestinian people. And this has been happening for years upon years upon years. You've seen the interviews with some of these people. You can tell. That the hatred, the hatred for Muslims and Islam is apparent on their faces. It, you can see it. A lot of them are spitting it out. They're telling you clearly. And Quran says, What their hearts conceal and hide is even much more deeper and much more greater. So this is a time where we need to come together. We need to, the first thing is we need to be united. We need to be together. We have, let's, let's learn to slowly, slowly put our differences to bed. Because in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't really matter. We're in this situation. Look at the Muslim world. Like it's, it's painful. It's painful. Had the Muslims been together and united, we wouldn't be where we are. But they've taken advantage of that. And you see all these normalizations that took place. Right now, do you really think even these countries, even if they want to say something, will they? Even if they want to issue a statement, have they issued even a statement? Politically, we know a statement doesn't really mean anything. It's just words. You could say it and make yourself look great. But even to that extent, to make a statement supporting the rights of the Palestinian people, we're not even hearing that. Why? Because a division has been created so wide. So what we can do, us over here, is let's try and unite. Let's be together. Even if you, you don't know how powerful this is, there may be someone you might not be, you might disagree with, not seeing eye to eye. But looking at the greater cause of the Ummah right now, let's learn to put our small differences aside. Make salam to people. Make salam to people. Smile at people. Become closer. This is what we need slowly, slowly. Afshu salam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's what we want. We are people of peace. And this is how it starts, this is where it starts from. We have to start from a grassroots level, from the bottom upwards, inshallah. So these are things within our capacity. And we do this with the intention that Allah will bring about the greater change. So that's the first thing. In your own capacity, the thing that you can do alongside the things that we've discussed is not to undermine dua. Dua is an action. Some people have an action plan and they've got all of these things. Dua is an action. And dua comes at the top, not at the bottom. Dua is an action. That's one of your actions. It's a massive action. It can change the world. How many duas are there in the Quran that tell us that dua was made and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the situation upon the dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-mujib. Call to him knowing Allah has said in the Quran that uh, you make dua and I will respond. Ud'uni astajib lakum. Allah is saying, make dua to me, I will respond. So when you raise your hands, when you raise your hands to Allah, your dua is already accepted. Allah has told you, Ud'uni astajib lakum. Raise your hands and that's it, I will do it. And make the dua knowing Allah is ala kulli shay'in qadeer. 
There is nothing beyond Allah. We don't need to think about weapons and armies and political power and you know who's who's got the greatest army and whatnot. When it comes to Allah, can do whatever He wants. Alam Ashabil is a is a great example for us to have our trust, our reliance in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So we never lose sight of that. And within our own capacity, whatever we can do. And finally, Jazakallahu Khairan to everybody for attending today. Let's make sure that this is not our, the last time we attend. We want to see everybody, inshallah, every week. You're going to come, inshallah. Even when they stop showing you the news, we're going to stand with Masjidul Aqsa, with the Palestinian people, until Al Aqsa is liberated. Jazakumullah khaira. Now, inshallah, we'll do a short dhikr and dua, and then it'll be time for Ishraq. Ishraq, you pray two rakat of Ishraq, Nafal Salah. Allah will give you the reward of an accepted Hajj and Umrah. And you do another two rakat, Allah will make all the affairs of your day easy for you. And once we've had uh, done the ishraq, please head upstairs. Uh, breakfast will be served. Jazakumullah khaira. Recite Durul Sharif. If it helps you to concentrate better, you can close your eyes. La ilaha illallah 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 <laughs> Subhanallah, 
أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله 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 العظيم استغفر الله 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 الله والله 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 الله لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا وسندنا ومولانا محمد مبارك وسلم يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين والهكم اله واحد لا اله الا هو الرحمن الرحيم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم يا ارحم الراحمين يا ارحم الراحمين يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو اهله رضينا بالله ربا وبالاسلام دينا وبمحمد صلى الله عليه وسلم رسولا ونبيا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لك الحمد ولا نعمة الإيمان ولك الحمد ولا نعمة الإسلام ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين O oh, kind and loving Allah, O oh, most merciful Allah, O oh, most compassionate Allah, O oh, most forgiving Allah, O oh, Allah, you love to forgive, O oh, Allah. We have committed many sins, O oh, Allah, from head to toe. We are drowning in our sins, O oh, Allah. O oh, Allah, grant us your forgiveness. O oh, Allah, grant us your forgiveness. O oh, Allah, we are in need of your forgiveness, O oh, Allah. O oh, Allah, grant us your forgiveness, O oh, Allah. Forgive our sins, O oh, Allah. Forgive our sins, O oh, Allah. Forgive our sins, O oh, Allah. The sins we committed in the day, the ones we did in the night, the ones we did openly, the ones with it secretly oh Allah we have we have every type of sin oh Allah next to our name oh Allah we have committed so much wrong oh Allah we confess oh Allah we acknowledge oh Allah we are criminals oh Allah we have done wrong oh Allah but you love to forgive oh Allah you are ghaffar oh Allah you love to pardon oh Allah you are the only one who can forgive oh Allah if you forgive us it won't change anything for you oh Allah but it will mean the world for us oh Allah grant us your forgiveness oh Allah we are in need of your forgiveness oh Allah we are begging for your forgiveness O oh Allah, grant every brother and sister present in this gathering, O oh Allah, grant us all your forgiveness, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, we need your forgiveness more than anything, O oh Allah. We need your forgiveness, O oh Allah. We have many sins next to our name, O oh Allah. Wipe away our history, O oh Allah. Delete our history, O oh Allah. Grant us a clean slate, O oh Allah. Allow us to start again, O oh Allah. Help us to make sincere tawbah to you, O oh Allah. Especially in these days, O oh Allah. Grant us your forgiveness, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, we have done a lot of wrong, O oh Allah. We turn to you, O oh Allah. We only call out to you, O oh Allah. Grant us your maghfirah, O oh Allah. Create the hatred of sins in our hearts, O oh Allah. Help us to stay away from your disobedience, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, we try, but we keep slipping, O oh Allah. We need your help. Guide us, O oh Allah. Guide us, O oh Allah. Guide us, O oh Allah. Rescue us from the from drowning in the in the ocean of sins, O oh Allah. And take us into your obedience, O oh Allah. Take us into your obedience, O oh Allah. Make your obedience beloved to us, O oh Allah. Allow us to love performing salah, O oh Allah. Allow us to love reciting the Quran, O oh Allah. Increase us in our love for you, O oh Allah. Increase us in our love for Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O oh Allah, take out the love of the dunya and materialism from our hearts, O oh Allah. And grant us the love of the akhirah, O oh Allah. Grant us the love of the sunnah, O oh Allah. Grant us the love of your deen, Islam, O oh Allah. Increase the love of Islam in our hearts, O oh Allah. Increase us in our iman, O oh Allah. Increase us in our 
sincerity, O oh Allah, increases in our taqwa, O oh Allah, increases in our awareness of you, O oh Allah. Help us to remember you in abundance, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, all these beautiful brothers and all the sisters that have got together, O oh Allah, accept everyone's attendance, O oh Allah. Accept everyone's attendance, O oh Allah. Make it a means towards the liberation of Baytul Maqdis, O oh Allah. Make it a means of your, O oh Allah, showering mercy upon the people of Gaza and Palestine, O oh Allah. Make it a means of our salvation on the day of judgment, O oh Allah. Allow us to continue working within whatever we can and do whatever we can within our capacity, O oh Allah. Guide us, O oh Allah. Protect us, O oh Allah. Allow us to continue serving the cause of your deen, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the Muslim Ummah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the people of Gaza, O oh Allah. Have mercy upon the people of Gaza, O oh Allah. Have mercy upon the people of Gaza, O oh Allah. You shower them with your special mercy, O oh Allah. O Allah, count their disease amongst the shuhada, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, grant shifa to those who are wounded, O oh Allah. There are no hospitals, O oh Allah. No electricity, O oh Allah. The doctors have been killed, O oh Allah. The ambulances have been shattered, O oh Allah. Nothing remains there, O oh Allah. All they have is you, O oh Allah. All they have is you, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, no one wants to help them, O oh Allah. No one wants to turn to them, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, the world is silent, O oh Allah. We plead to you, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, you come to the rescue, O oh Allah. You come to the rescue, O oh Allah. Hasbun Allahu wa ni'mal wakil. 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 O Allah, we believe and trust in you, O Allah. O Allah, we know that this is your divine wisdom, O Allah. O Allah, help them, O Allah. Sustain them, O Allah. Protect them, O Allah. Protect the men, the women, the children, O Allah. Protect whatever livelihood there is remaining for them, O Allah. Grant them access to clean water, O Allah. Grant them access to food, O Allah. Grant them shelter, O Allah. Grant them security, O Allah. Put an end to the oppression, O Allah. Put an end to the illegal occupation, O Allah. Put an end to the occupation, O Allah. Put an end to the occupation, O Allah. Grant them peace, O Allah. Liberate Masjid al-Aqsa, O Allah. Those in Masjid al-Aqsa who are protecting and defending the Masjid of Allah, protect them, O Allah. Allow them to continue resisting the occupation of Allah. Strengthen them in their ribat, O Allah. Accept them for their sacrifices, O Allah. The thousands of Palestinian prisoners, O Allah, set them free, O Allah. Innocently, without any charge, without any trial, O Allah. They are suffering in the Israeli prisons, O Allah. The electricity has been cut from them, O Allah. They have no access to water as well, O Allah. They have no access to food, O Allah. Have no mercy upon their condition, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the Muslim Ummah, O oh Allah. Shower your special mercy, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, you protect them, O oh Allah. You aid them, O oh Allah. Aid them with your special aid, O oh Allah. Aid them with Jibreel, O oh Allah. Aid them with your special forces, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, you are Allah. You are Allah. You are the controller of the universe, O oh Allah. Nothing is beyond your capacity, O oh Allah. We believe you can do everything, O oh Allah. We have hope in you, O oh Allah. We know that this is your divine wisdom. Wisdom, oh Allah. But we ask you for afiyah, O oh Allah. We ask you for afiyah, O oh Allah. We ask you for afiyah, O oh Allah. For us and the people of Palestine, O oh Allah. For Muslims suffering throughout the world, O oh Allah. Alleviate their sufferings, O oh Allah. Alleviate the sufferings of the Ummah, O oh Allah. Help and sustain the Ummah, O oh Allah. Help and sustain the Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Asked of many good things, we ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We 
seek your protection from the same. O Allah, those who, for regarding whom it has been written, O Allah, that they are not willing to change their ways, O Allah. They are intending and intent on committing this oppression, O Allah. Wipe the earth clean from such wretched individuals, O Allah. Send your curses upon them, O Allah. Destroy them, O Allah. Break their houses upon them, O Allah. Shatter their lives like they are shattering the lives of the Muslimin, O Allah. O Allah, you destroy them, O Allah. O Allah, make them deaf and blind, O Allah. You take away their senses, O Allah. Make them fight amongst each other, O Allah. Destroy everything that they have, O Allah. And grant peace and security to the region, O Allah. O Allah, the world will be so much better without the existence of such, such wretched and vile people, O Allah, who are intent on causing facade and corruption in the world, O Allah. All they know is zulm, O Allah. All they know is tyranny, O Allah. All they know is killing, O Allah. O Allah, remove them from the world, O Allah, and restore the peace and the justice in the dunya once again, O Allah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil.